I often get asked, as a teacher, how can I make an impact on a campus? Or how can I influence those around me without a leadership position? This week's guest, CJ Reynolds, shares how he uses unorthodox relationship building strategies and his YouTube channel to impact his students, community, and educators around the world. I had an opportunity to meet CJ at the Teach Better conference, and he was on one of the earlier bonus episodes. And after meeting him at the conference, it was obvious I had to get him on the show for a full episode to share how he's making an impact well beyond his classroom. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. CJ, thank you so much for joining us today. Josh, anything that you would ask me to do, I would be happy to do it. And CJ, we had an opportunity to meet, and I will say on air that that was the highlight of the Teach Better Conference was getting a chance to sit down, talk with you, and and learn from you. You are an amazing leader, and I just thank you so much for being able to come back on the podcast and expand on everything that we talked on in the bonus episode. I appreciate that, man. That that was a that was quite a crew at that conference too. So I that's uh that's a really humbling compliment. Thank you. You're welcome. As you know, the show is centered on leadership development and your your title is teacher. And so many times I hear teachers say, well, I'm just a teacher. And they leave it at that as though it's something small and insignificant. And for you, you are a leader. And I just want to know about your journey. But then also, I know that some people have asked you to become an administrator and you have turned that option down. And so I want to know where you are in regards to your title and how you're impacting not only your classroom, but your community. You know, there's this great comedian that I loved growing up named Mitch Hedberg. Mitch used to say that he got in the comedy, he was a stand-up comedian, got in the comedy to do comedy. But so many times when you get in the comedy, people go, great, you're really funny on stage. Can you act? And he says, why is this the natural progression of things? It would be like if you worked your whole life to be a really good cook, and then someone was like, great, you can cook, but can you farm? And it just is like, just because you got into to teaching, there's there's this sort of almost a natural push. It feels like the longer you do it for people to step into administration. But so many of my heroes in education have just kind of stayed the course. And some people feel that need, but I don't, I never felt the need to move out of that space. Like I got into teaching because I wanted to be a teacher. That's what all of my gifts sort of led to. So before that, I thought I was going to be a clown. And my, my wife was actually oddly supportive of that choice. Um, <laughs> my, my family thought it was like a, uh, like pretty normal for me. And then I wanted to be a drummer when I was a kid. So I was in bands my, my whole life. And then I thought I was going to be a priest and my wife was not as supportive of that because that would mean no wife anymore. So, or no girlfriend, but then someone suggested teaching and it was kind of the perfect mesh of all three of those things, right? It was like this caring for people, making something boring, fun, um, and and entertainment like i know there's a lot of pushback against like the sort of edutainment uh movement but Mm -hmm. there is like i just think school sucks most of the time and so what can we do to make it a little bit better for students so that they actually want to show up Mm -hmm. and so that led me into education and i just want to be a really good teacher and not uh an administrator i feel like you get you lose touch with students I, i feel most most folks that move into admin often say like how it's the thing they miss the most is like the interaction with the students. You're just kind of cleaning up messes and dealing with stuff all day instead of just being able to sit down with students and, and talk to them. And that's, that's the thing that fills me up the most is not even 
communicating what I'm saying in class. It is the connection with the students always. So I don't, I don't want to lose that. So that's why I stay away mm-hmm. mostly. One of the reasons I enjoyed our conversations too was because you gave countless examples of how you're having relationships with the students and how that's changing the classroom and, of course, how they're obtaining knowledge. And so in this movement now in education, it seems like there's more and more things in regards to boundaries and, and trying to separate that relationship. And I feel like you're kind of pushing back on that and saying, no, we, we can in a healthy way. So what are some things that you're doing in your classroom to really hone in on building relationships? Yeah. So I think, I think relationships are king. I, the thing that I'm the most excited about, cause it's something anyone can do. So if your class is struggling, if you're struggling with classroom management, if you're struggling with getting kids to buy into what you're doing, it's only through relationships. I mean, that's just my experience anyway. It's only through relationships that I've been able to get anywhere. I'm not that good of a teacher. Well, I've seen other teachers, seen what they can do. Their PowerPoints are amazing. They make noise and sounds come out of them and all kinds of great stuff happens. But for me, it is my workaround has been to build relationships with students. And so how do you do that? I think one is by being visible letting kids know that you're there. So you're not staying in your room, especially new teachers have this tendency to like, just want to stay in their classroom. You don't do that. You go out in the hall, you're shaking hands at your door. You're at the door when they walk in in the morning, you're at the door when they're leaving at the end of the day. And that can look like just regular stuff. Like you can just talk to kids. Hey man, you did a really great job in class. I teach all boys. So all of my, all of my, <laughs> I'm very gender exclusive when I, when I speak, uh, cause I've been teaching boys for the last 10 years. So it's a, hey man, I really appreciate it what you did in class today. Hey, tomorrow, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more or, you know, come talk to me about that hoodie that you have on right now. I don't know what this brand is. So that's one. Then, I mean, I take it to this kind of next level where I do silly stuff in the hallway. So I have, this is kind of like choose your own adventure. I don't advise all the things I do, but uh, an easy one because some stuff is like not to your personality and I don't know what people are like, right? But I have eyeball stickers. I stick them on kids and then I go, got my eye on you, bro. And it's just so dumb, but there's really, it's such an easy way to take someone that thinks they're invisible and make them visible. You take a kid that has his head down, is walking out of school or is walking down the hallway in the middle of the day, looking like Eeyore. And it's so dumb. It makes everybody laugh. Even if they're just annoyed at you, like, you're so like, you're all your dad jokes all the time. (laughs) I have just silly stuff. Like I have this little alligator that squirts water and so i will shoot it into the air and it sprinkles down in the hallway and i only do this to kids that i know and it's just like this silly way like they always look up like they're not sure if the roof is leaking or whatever and (laughs) i'm cracking up on the side of the hallway but they always figure out that it's me i do it to students that i know and kids that i care about but it is my effort to break the monotony of the day now the place build relationships is in your classroom like make your classroom a place where kids want to hang out so I do that with decor, but I think you can, so my room is this sort of like, it's not dimly lit, but I don't have fluorescent lights on ever. I have like specific lighting on my shelves and uh, spotlights on things on my walls. And there's a couch in there. It smells good, you know, because I teach teenagers to got mm-hmm. to fight the funk in there. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's trying to create this physical space that's very appealing that mm-hmm. students want to come and hang out in. I have graffiti art on my walls and and chalkboard paint all over the place. And there's this giant eight foot foot driftwood tree. So it's all creating that space. But even if you can't do that, I think simply taking a student that walks up to your desk and asks you something 
you stop what you're doing and look at them in their face and say, hey, I'm really glad that you came in or, hey, how was your day today? Or, hey, what's going on? Like, did you eat breakfast this morning? Or just anything. Like, you could ask about the Eagles game or well, I'm in Philly. You could ask about whatever show was on last night. So we used to have Walking Dead uh, Monday morning conversations. We'd have Game of Thrones Monday morning conversations where certain set of dudes would come in every single day. We'd talk about that. But so what you're doing is just creating a space and you're stopping what you're doing, looking them in the face and letting them know just by looking at them that they're important instead of just keeping your head down and writing and doing what you're doing and trying to engage at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. So like Ron Swanson said, don't half ass anything, whole ass everything. Exactly. So th- I think that really helps as well. And then trying to dive into what your kids care about. So as much as I mean, everyone had that aunt, uncle, mom, grandmom, someone that would rail against whatever you were into when you were younger. Like, so my mom hated the music that I listened to, or she couldn't understand the types of movies that I wanted to watch. I remember in the early nineties, uh, and when I look back at it, it is pretty raunchy, but um, <laughs> Clerks, remember oh, this yeah. movie? Yeah. So but that was a movie that I remember my mom going, why would you watch this? Or Beavis and Butthead was one of those shows when I was a kid where my mom was like, this is so dumb. Like, and now I look back and I'm like, it really is kind of dumb. But I think if you want to touch base with students, if you want them to come into the world where you're asking them to come into, Mm -hmm. then you have to be willing to go into there. So I watch all that stuff. I've seen every Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. I've seen, I saw Star Wars the day that it came out because I knew all the kids would be talking about it when we come back from winter break. It's listening to their music. Mm -hmm. So it's, there was a really great interview between Charlemagne the God and Meek Mill, the hip hop artist the other day, Students were talking about it. it's an hour and 15 minutes long. I listened to it on my way to and from school the other day, listened to the whole thing, went in and then asked my kids questions about it. Yo, what'd you think when Meek said this? Like, did that rub you the wrong way or, or did it make you excited or how'd that make you feel? And they go, you listen, Reynolds, you listen to that interview? Yeah, man, I did because I knew you guys were listening to it. So it's being willing to step into your student's world. And I think just those three things, sometimes people feel like the teachers I work with will say, yeah, but I don't want the kids to think I'm trying to be cool. And it's not about being cool ever. It's right. about being relevant. Yep. And that is a big difference. And you're trying to stay relevant with the students. So play Fortnite, go on TikTok and know how it works. Like get a sense of what is coming up next. And I ask my students all the time, what's something that people my age don't know about, but they should know about. And then I do a little deep dive into it. And it's just kind of fun because yeah. you're learning all this stuff. And then the students can't believe that you took the time to to learn about what they care about. And I know this probably happens to you too, but once you start getting that low-level relationship, then you get into some deeper and heavier topics about what's going on at home. And so sure. I know the area that you're in in Philly, and there's some greater needs that are going on within your school and then outside in your community. So how are you now, since you've seen the needs of your students, what are you doing that's potentially an initiative to kind of help your students outside of the classroom? Yeah. So this is really important because I think most people are scared to do this. Mm -hmm. It it becomes this place where, well, what if they tell me too much? What if they tell me something I shouldn't know? What if someone is, says something inappropriate? And that, those are all really valid concerns. I do not dismiss them at all, but I refuse to just be in the classroom and be afraid because students need it. They need you to care for them. And I get a lot of emails from folks because I'm like a, I'm a white 43 year old dude from, you know, a neighborhood that looked like leave it to beaver. 
And I teach in West Philadelphia. So I teach, I'd say my students are about 99% African American. Mm -hmm. A lot of my students do not have a father or a positive male role model in their lives. This is, this is school paperwork that parents fill out. So this is how we know this. And, you know, I just think, why wouldn't you want to be there for students? Because it's as simple as just listening to kids. So Mm -hmm. years ago, I had a student who came in on, in the beginning of the year, he was really, really rude to myself and to my co-teacher. He never did any work. He put his head down all the time. If my co-teacher would address him, he was extremely belligerent to her and was always getting like, she was sort of like had to remove him from class a lot. And I wasn't sure what was going on. So one day he, I got cursed out in class. So I say, Joe, now you have detention with me all week during lunch, Mm -hmm. but I don't do like detentions where you're just going to sit there or you're not going to like go clean up trash or something like that. Like the initial one is I'm trying to figure out what your situation is. Mm -hmm. So every day that week, my wife made this kid lunch because I never saw him eat anything in school. And she would make a little brown paper bag lunch with him, write write Joe in the front of it with a heart around it. She'd write little notes inside like, hope you have a great day or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, we sat together for four days and Joe said zero things. Like I talked the whole time because clearly I have zero issue with talking (laughs) with anyone. So Joe doesn't say anything. He just kind of stares ahead. And I'm like, I'm just going to keep talking. To the end of the day, Thursday, he says, can I I tell you something? I said, bro, I've been waiting four days to hear anything. You can literally tell me like what your favorite color. You can tell me shut up and that would be something (laughs) better than nothing. out of your mouth. Yeah. So Joe tells me that he's having a really hard time in school. And that right before we came back in August, he was hanging with his friend on his front steps of his house and he had to go home and he realized halfway home, they forgot something. He rode his bike back over to his friend's house and right on the stoop, his friend was laying there dead. He'd been killed in a drive-by shooting and he didn't know what to do with that. But he said, all I keep thinking about is what if I was there or what if he had left and it was my house? Mm -hmm. Like, this immense amount of guilt in that moment there's nothing i could say anyway i could call the counselor i could call the school therapist i could call the principal but they're going to have no words either for Mm -hmm. this particular situation so the only thing you can do in those moments is just sit with a kid in their pain you just literally sit there and say something like I'm so sorry you went through that. And I'm honored that you would share it with me and then just sit in the pain with them. And that is everything because it turns out that your, your attention is far more important than your advice, that there's nothing you're going to be able to say anyway. And look, anyone that's been married for five minutes knows that your wife doesn't all like, you know, I can only think of my wife, never been married to anyone else. Um, My wife does not want my advice half the time. She just wants me to say, I'm really sorry that you went through that. And then to just give her a hug. (laughs) And so maybe you don't feel safe giving your kids a hug and that's cool, but you can just listen to them. And then of course you would report it to the people that need to know about that information. But you know, that from then on, Joe ate lunch with me every single day for the next four years in high school. And at his graduation, he told me that he was going to go to school. He either wanted to be an emergency room nurse or an EMT because he wanted to help people like his friend yeah. in that moment when like the ambulance just didn't show up mm-hmm. uh, in time to save him. And so you know, I, I think that's how you do it is just listening to folks. And I have like endless 
versions of that, like where I've written kids letters or I eat lunch with my students every single day. So there's a whole bunch of us in my classroom every day, mm-hmm. eating lunch, just sharing stories, just talking about goofy stuff, movies. Sometimes we play Atari. I have like the old, old Atari with the old cartridges and we plug it into the TV in the classroom. And it's just this 20 minute respite from the day where you're just communicating with students and showing them that they're important by shining a light on them for a minute and not on the schoolwork. Yeah. No, it's so important because we're definitely teaching our students well beyond just the academics, but definitely the, the other aspects of mental health and behavior and whatnot. So that's, that's awesome. So I want to segue to your YouTube channel because you have countless videos and it's not always just you on the videos, but also your students. So how did that work? Cause I mean, especially with the digital age now with, you know, so many people and educators taking photos and videos, and sometimes we have to be careful about how that works. How were you able to get your students involved into your educational projects with YouTube? Yeah. So I started a YouTube channel uh, called real rap with Reynolds. It was called real rap with the Reynolds initially because mm-hmm. it was a family channel. My son wanted a YouTube channel, like every other kid on earth. Yeah. I create a YouTube channel and then he lost interest in it. And, he, and I'm like, bro, I just learned how to like edit and do all this stuff. And like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like reading countless hours of, of doing stuff because I also, as a parent knew, like, I, I just think you have two choices. You're either the parent you grew up with or the parent you always wanted. And mm-hmm. so for me, it was, I didn't have a dad that was engaged in what I wanted to do. So I just say yes to not to everything, but if it's right. fun or if I think, my dad would have never done this. A hundred percent, we can do this, kids. So that's what we do. Start this YouTube channel, he loses interest. And I thought, well, what else? Like, I want to do something with it. So what could I make that would be of use to people? So I just started making really short videos about things that I wish I knew when I started teaching. And I was almost making them for like younger me. Like, what's a thing that I struggled with, like bathroom passes or classroom management or kids not turning in their homework and just started making videos about that stuff. And then along the way, my students would all laugh at me because I had three subscribers and they were like, it's probably your grandmom and your wife and (laughs) you know, your neighbor, like this is like all people, you know, and then as it grew, it's been this really wild thing for my students to see me kind of grow in that. So in that, I thought, you know, there's so many stereotypes around all types of children, but you know, if I think about where I teach in West Philly, I teach, uh, in very, it's a difficult neighborhood, right? It's, it's a very tough neighborhood for kids to grow up in. So I thought, what if I created space for my students to tell their own story? So I'm not telling the story. I'm not reporting in on who Max and Kev and Joe and all these guys are. I have all these dudes come on and I ask them sometimes silly questions, sometimes serious questions, Mm -hmm. and they get to sort of tell the world who they are. And that has been huge. And it just has made me think that I wish more people would do this because it's another one of those things that we get really nervous about. But get the, the bottom line is we edit this stuff. Like it's not, I'm not just putting some kid live to the world. And I have done that. I've done Instagram stories, but even those you have to hit the fact that you want it to post. Right. So it's not just going live out to the world. You get to edit things. So if someone says something about a teacher or, or another student or you know, they give away a little bit too much family information. You just cut that stuff out and like right. put on there what is the the sort of the meat of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's been everything. I, I literally had, Josh, my friends and I were out at this bar in West Philadelphia one night, just having dinner together. And a mom of a student came up to me mm-hmm. and she says, Mr. Reynolds, I'm really sorry to bother you, but 
can I ask you a question real quick? I'm like, sure. Like I've had two beers, which makes me nervous to have a conversation <laughs> now, but we'll, we'll do it. So uh, we, we talk and she says, I just want to tell you that I follow you on Instagram and you are my favorite person to follow. And I said, really? I said, why? She says, because I see my son on there all the time and he's always smiling. Mm-hmm. She said, our boys have to grow up so quick and they have to put this front on all the time that to be able to see them around their friends engaged in something in school, it just makes me so happy to see boys being allowed to be boys. Right. And that really, really hit me. It was like, yeah, this is even parents think that they know their kids, but we don't always, right? Like you're a parent, you know, yeah. like you just, you can hope and pray when you send yeah. them to grandma or grandpa's that they're going to behave yep. and you get a good report and you're like, sure, thank us. <laughs> that worked out well, but you don't really know. Yeah. And, and so it is a glimpse for parents and the rest of the world into our classroom to see what the kids are really like without me sort of finagling it in any way. Right. Um, and it's, I, I wish everybody did it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's very powerful, and you don't just have the YouTube videos, but you also do vlogs also on there, and um, yeah. you do interviews. I mean, you do a whole host of different things on that YouTube channel. So you brought up the fact that you started the project really to help educators who were new to the profession. So if there is someone out there that has started in education, or maybe they started their leadership journey and they just realized maybe that's not what they thought it was going to be, do you have any advice for those folks? Yeah, I, I think. So many educators that saw the movies, they read the books, they showed up in class and they like, at least metaphorically got punched in the face by students, like on the first day where they, you know, they were so excited. And then it's like you invited people to come see your band and then everyone booed you on stage. (laughs) And it's like, no, 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 wait, I thought, I thought we were, I was ready. Like I got prepared. I wrote songs and I'm, I'm excited about this. And then they were just like, no, you suck. This, right. this is terrible. Can we go to the bathroom? <laughs> and that is a punch to your heart so many times too. So I think part of it is realizing that, look, the, the education system is broken. I don't think, I, I, and I think that if we really look at that and I, and I'm, I, I and I say that with, there, there's hope in me that yeah. we can, that we can do something about that. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm not just being like, uh, you know, it's all, it's all going to hell, you know, it's, it's all right. It's over now, but it's, there's some great stuff we can do in there. But if you realize that it is not this perfect thing that you thought you were walking into, especially because so many college students don't even get to engage with actual students until their senior year where they go for two months and they student teach. And the idea of that, right. It's like learning how to swim in a classroom, right? So if you learned about molecules and you watched videos about what it was like to swim or what to do if someone drowned or how to handle rip current, those are, that's great, mm-hmm. but it is no substitute for someone putting you in water and saying, here's how to swim. Here's how to hold your breath, you know, and, and we don't, we do that disservice to teachers. So I think when you start break, kind of breaking down, one is just recognize the system's not going to get like, what if this didn't get any better? That's, right. that's the question I like to go off. What if nothing got any better than this? Mm-hmm. And then there's room in that though. So now we're free to try things because we know how bad it is or how bad it can be. And I just think that one of the things you can do is surround yourself with better people. You know, that whole idea of like staying out of the teacher's lounge is a good idea, but it's not just staying out of the teacher's lounge. It's finding people that you're going to get down with that are going to support you, that you're going to have fun with. So my friends and I 
hang out a lot. I have a lot of people over to my house all the time, other teachers. And we don't just talk about teachery stuff either. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we talk about regular life and what we're doing this weekend and the relationships that people are in and how our kids are doing and all that builds this relationship. And then when you go to school and you have a hard day, there's someone to count on. It is doing, and then within, even within those relationships, I do all kinds of nuts stuff that just makes school a little bit more fun. Just like I do in the hallway with students where whenever we, this is so dumb, whenever we get pictures for like, so on picture day to, for the yearbook, they always give teachers like a whole bunch of our own pictures. Like I'm seven, like, and like, what am I supposed to do with it? So one of them, I usually frame it and I send it to my mother-in-law every year. And I have this vision that on her mantle in her living room are a whole bunch of my pictures from over the years. The second thing I do is I go into other teachers' classrooms. I take pictures of their husband and their children and their wives out of frame. (laughs) And I put my picture in there and I just leave it and see how long it takes them to realize that I did it. And it is just endlessly hilarious to me. And it just, it disrupts the natural flow of the day, the normal flow of the day. And I think doing stuff like that, I have, and I have like, just like endless crap in my room to do this with, where I have like fake flies and fake ants and a fake mouse on the end of a piece of fishing string that I pull down the hallway sometimes just because I think that it's funny and it makes people freak out. But you're, you're disrupting that flow of, of boredom every day. Yep. So that's one, you're, you're, you're getting together with other people. I think the other piece is just really taking care of yourself. My friend Alicia says that if there's no gas in the car, no one's going anywhere. And so this idea that we need to fill ourselves up and there's an old story uh, that I'm going to just paraphrase because I'll butcher this thing if I say it, but it's about these two wolves that live inside of all of us. Right. And so one wolf is, is ego and pride and all of these sort of like negative attributes. The other one is love and kindness and warmth. And so the question that is in the story is which wolf is stronger? And the answer of course is whichever wolf you feed the most. And so I'm constantly trying to pour into myself good things that I think are going to make me operate at the best level. So maybe I'm getting up early. I pray every morning. I meditate every morning. I exercise every day. I've run every day for the last 375 days or something like that. Um, I listen to really inspiring podcasts like the Aspire podcast and try and fill myself up with goodness that other people, like I don't need to manufacture my own stuff, right? Like I'm not trying to recreate the wheel. I'm, I'm stealing from every place that I can. So if someone has a great idea on your podcast, I listen to it and I immediately implement it into my classroom. Um, I listen to only music that's uplifting and powerful in the morning on my way to work because I want to show up on fire, like the, with as much energy as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. And so that's, That is something that never wavers. No matter how late I stay up, I always do all these things in the morning. And so, but when I do that, I think once there is gas in the car, I want to floor it every day, right? And so that tires me out, but then I have to make sure that I'm putting back into myself. I don't bring work home ever. Mm -hmm. I only spend time like working on YouTube at night or spending time with my family or my dog. And that is really, really important to me. And I think that just doing those two things, like pouring into yourself, like forcing yourself to not do work. So over winter break, I don't do nothing well. It is a very big struggle for me. I really, really like doing stuff. But it's like forcing myself to take a breath, to sit down with my family. Um, and that's a muscle that I need to exercise. It doesn't come natural to me to just, I mean, I'll take my kids out and do stuff, 
but my intuition tells me that I need to like, just kind of like take a breath and relax this break. And it's making sure that I'm doing that. But that being said, when I go back to school, I have 50 great ideas for the rest of the year that I'm really excited about implementing into my year. So this is going to like fill that tank up to help me to do that. Right. So I'm curious because you're talking about initiatives that go again beyond your classroom and doing things in the hallways and staying at the Mm -hmm. teacher's lounge. And obviously the way that your classroom is set up is very different probably than most classrooms around the country. So have you ever got kickback from other teachers or other educators in the building based on how crazy your initiatives were or your style? Because I know you've, you've really kind of pushed the envelope within your classroom and, and what you're doing with students and trying to, to break the traditional mold. So I'm just curious about like your colleagues, how have they responded to this? So I, I think I deal with the same stuff that everybody else deals with. I mean, I have I, I mean, I have a YouTube channel, right? So I'm a 43-year-old man who is a YouTube channel in a space where most teachers that are on YouTube are like young females. There's a handful of other men, but there's not a lot of men out there. And it's and it's a lot of classroom organization. And I mean, and I don't say this to sort of like dog people because they get views and they this is what they love. And yeah. so go do what you do. But it's a lot of like organization and decorating my classroom. But there's there's definitely a pushback from that. Then I went and wrote a book. And now this is another thing that like no one talks about, right? Like, yeah. If you bring up the fact that you wrote a book, they're like, on what? And you're like, education. I'm like, oh gosh. <laughs> so I, I, part of me gets it because who are we to do some of the things that we do? I once decorated my entire room. We had to read Romeo and Juliet, which my students were loathing. So we made the whole room look like the Globe Theater. Mm-hmm. I mean, we covered the walls we made a casket out of cardboard i just went to home depot piled about you know as much like about three feet of cardboard on the top of my ford escort and drove it to school and we just made all these projects out of it so we had a casket we had uh, the casket open we had uh the the balcony that we made out of plywood which you couldn't even touch because that thing was just going to fall down it was like held together with a spit and a prayer so this isn't like <laughs> high quality uh props here right but it was you know everything we could think of and then i went to the thrift store and i bought like really ugly clothes that i felt like like ugly old wedding dresses and and stuff and so the kids got dressed up and we acted the play out instead i thought this was going to be awesome and the kids loved it. I mean, they would show up at six in the morning. They'd stay till six at night. They'd leave, they'd leave, go home, eat dinner, and then come back to the school. And this is before oh, wow. I had children, so I yeah. could just stay at school as long as I wanted. And I remember administration finding out about it. They came in, and I got pulled into the office because how did this fit into my core curriculum standards? Mm-hmm. And how did this fit into what we were doing as a school moving forward? And was I setting up the students for 10th grade in a way where they were going to be disappointed as if I'm the opening, I keep making a lot of band metaphors today, but like <laughs> if you're the opening band, you don't hold out because you want the other bands to look better. No, you right. go full tilt and that's just what you do. So I've, I've gotten pushback tons of time. I mean, I blow bubbles in the hallway all the time because it's just really funny and there's nothing like giant boys from West Philadelphia walking down the hallway popping bubbles because they get <laughs> mad at them first. They're just like, they look like angry kittens and they swat at them. Right. And then as I wear them down, as I, as I tend to do, they just start loving it and it becomes this thing where you walk into school, you get a fight with your mom, you're pissed off, you're walking to your locker and why are there bu- bubbles all over the place? Or 
you play the floor is lava. And so you can only work on walk on certain tiles in the hallway because guess what, guys? The floor is lava, so please be careful. And then it just creates this better space. So getting pushback from that, what do you do with that? Mm-hmm. I just think you you just keep going. And, and, and one of the ways you do that is, one, you will wear people down also because you just get known as like the crazy cat lady in your neighborhood you kind of forget about her after a while, right? As long as cats aren't going to the bathroom in your, in your neighborhood, it's like, yeah, there she goes again. There's the crazy cat lady walking around with 97 cats behind her or the guy that sits in the park and feeds all the pigeons and they sit on his shoulder. And it was real weird the first time. And then you just end up walking by eventually and saying, Hey man, what's up? Uh, Nice pigeons, you know, whatever. Like you just become known as that, that person. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing you do is fuel your fire and look for other people that are like you. And maybe they don't exist on in your school, but they definitely can exist online. I'd say the conference that we met at Teach Better was such a good reminder to me that there are other people out there doing like even crazier stuff. Like it makes me want to amp my game up. And the, the, the quote that always gets me for this is there's this guy, Seth Rogen, who's the entrepreneur that I really, really love. And he always says, people like us do things like this. And the idea being that People like me, you, you know, the Burgesses, Adam Welcome, all the other great people that we met at this this conference are all doing that same kind of thing, the same sort of -of out-of-the-box thinking. And it's not shying away from that. But what would it look like if you poured gasoline on that fire? And it went huge. So I think that that is, that's even more exciting because then once you start knowing that there are others out there, it's kind of like, you went from just being Batman to like meeting up at the hall of justice and being like, Oh, there's a whole bunch of other mm-hmm. sort of like amazing folks out here doing really cool stuff that we can support one another yeah. in this. And yeah, I, I think too many teachers, I think, you know, the other mistake that real quick that new teachers make is they wait to be that teacher. They they're waiting for three years in a day yeah. for tenure to kick in. Yeah. It's like, no, you need to start on day one mm-hmm. and just, not care about yeah. what other people say as much as possible. Yeah. I want to hit on a topic based on kind of what you've talked about already, tying in with the conference, because I feel like a lot of people were very authentic at the conference when they were speaking and were really open about some of the struggles they had and some of that dealt with mental wellness and kind of getting burnt out. Um, I know our teachers constantly get more things put on top of their plate. However, nothing really gets taken off. And so um, that leads to stress and potentially, like I said, burnout. So with everything that you're talking about, it feels like you're trying to decompress kind of the stress and things that are going on within your school, but with these initiatives that you're doing, but is there anything else that, that you would provide to our listeners if they're feeling this way right now, where they're just overworked, overstressed, and they feel like maybe education isn't for them? I think daring to think about what would my class look like if it was the greatest? And, you know, instead of thinking about, because I think initially maybe that's where we start off. We want to have this great idea or this great lesson. And then when the kids push back, it's 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 heartbreaking, right? I, I've, I've been there. I've been there this year where I've had one period something crushed. And then the next period, the kids just like, we're like, this is dumb. Why don't, do we have to do this? And it's like, what are you talking about? It's like, something awesome I just had you do. And you're like, you know, you're making balloon animals in class. And, and one class is like, this is the best. And other kids are like, this is so dumb. Why do I have to do this? And, you know, so you don't win with everything. But I think 
it's worth thinking about even your life, right? If you stop and think about your life and what do I actually want? Mm -hmm. And, you know, a year or two ago, I think it was two years ago, my wife and I started thinking about life like this. And if we could have anything, like where would I want to live? What would I want to do? And so I start thinking about like the fact that I really want to live on a farm. I teach in the city. I live in the city and it's too much loud all the time. Sure. So I want to live somewhere where there's no one around and I want it not super secluded, but secluded enough that I can have an outdoor shower and I don't have to worry about it. And so I want to have a tiny horse named Kevin and just because it's hilarious and I want to just ride around the neighborhood. And we, so we start thinking about this kind of stuff, right? And I don't know if I'll ever get a tiny horse named Kevin, who knows, but you know, it's a good goal to shoot for. But the idea there is you start exercising this muscle of thinking way outside and thinking about what would this look like? And then when that trickles down to what would my marriage look like if it was the greatest ever? What would my relationship with my kids look like if it was the best? And then what would your school look like? What would those relationships look like? What would your classroom look like? What would your lessons look like? Mm -hmm. And realizing that maybe you don't get to the extreme of that, but man, can you make it better by just shifting your thinking and, and daring to not think about, well, if I hit all the core curriculum standards and, you know, I know Tim's going to talk, Tim always talks every period. He never shuts up. And these guys, they don't ever really care about what I'm doing in class. And she just sits in the back and sleeps all the time. You stop looking at those students mm -hmm. and you start looking at the things that you can do. You start getting excited about the kids that do show up every day, because we have a tendency, I think, to look at the problems in our classroom. And I always hear teachers say this, the whole class yep. is out of control. And it's right. like, but are they, or are we just looking at the five kids that are the biggest issue mm -hmm. and T and we are kind of like lowering ourselves to meet their standard, right. but we can't, we have to look at the kids that are doing a really great job. And so uh, when I meant to tour people, um, I tell teachers to do this really quick experiment, right? And so anyone, anyone can do this even right now. <clears throat> you close your eyes and you, and or just before you close your eyes, you look around the room that you're in and for five seconds, you notice anything that is yellow in the room, right? So just notice anything that's yellow in the room and then you close your eyes. Now tell me something that was green in the room. And most of the time people can't name something, especially if they're not familiar with the room sure. because you're focused on looking for yellow things. And when you, when even in our lives, when we just, in, I, I don't want to sound, sound too woo woo, but uh, you know, cause I'm East coast, we don't really, really do woo -woo over here. Um, we, it, it is, if you're looking for students that are wanting to do great things that are wanting to learn more, that are wanting to do the weird outside the box stuff and you create lessons for them, the other kids are going to be pissed off and miserable anyway. Yep. So why not gear it towards the, the people that are excited about what you're doing? And then I think your classroom takes on this whole new life of, mm -hmm. of awesome yep. that you can really lean into. And then, then you want, then it turns out to be a job that you really want to lean into because you want to be there because you found people that want to follow you yeah all right so you brought it up before and i want to touch on this you are writing a book so yep. what is that all about and where did this project come from after the youtube channel i just started i don't even know how many videos we have probably close to 400 videos now right which yeah. is like so ridiculous that i just kept making stuff i, I can't <laughs> believe i have four things to talk about so that was happening. And then one of the things I do with my students is uh, 
I try and connect them with people that aren't me mm-hmm. that can get them excited about stuff. So we have connected with CEOs and street artists and authors that have come to our classroom or met us via Skype. And I got the chance to go to New York City and meet with this guy, Gary Vaynerchuk, who's a big deal on YouTube. Adam Welcome from Kids Deserve It sees me on there, reaches out and he says, you have to write a book. I thought, I thought about it one day, like maybe I'll write a book. And he goes, no, bro, because this is that. Yeah. No, bro, you have to write a book. And I thought, all right. Uh, so he walks me through the process and he goes, it doesn't even take long. You, you just write a whole bunch of stuff and send it in. And I thought, I don't, I don't really think that's how it works, but <laughs> I did anyway. So I just started writing and I thought, well, what, again, just like the YouTube channel, what do I wish I knew? So I can't have a real sense of what other people are really struggling with, but what are the commonalities in the comments that I see? When we do a live feed every Sunday night, on YouTube, like what are the questions that come up again and again and again that it's sometimes difficult to send a video to someone, but if I had a book and here's where it is and you could highlight it and underline it and write in the margins and all this stuff, what would that look like? So that's that's the book I wrote. It's called Teacher Class Off, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching. And it's just my take on stuff that I wish existed when I started teaching. And yeah, yeah so it comes out in March of 2020. Awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. We started talking about the project and I got so excited because I know how much wisdom you provided just in a short time that I had with you over the Teach Better Conference weekend. So I'm excited to have other people get a chance to read your stories because I know you have so many different experiences that you've had with students that have been so impactful. CJ, how can our listeners connect with you on social media? I'm everywhere except for TikTok right now and I'm working on that one. So if you go to if you just type in Real Rap with Reynolds, you can go to my website and find all the links there. But I'm mainly on YouTube and Instagram and trying to trying to build that Twitter up, but it's a, it's a hard go. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know everyone was on Twitter and then it turns out everyone's on Twitter. And so I got to do that. And then Facebook, we have a Facebook group. That's really great too. So we started this live feed and th- this is what I'm talking about in terms of like finding people that are like you. So mm-hmm. the people like us do things like this sort of idea on the live feed. We have like 200 people that show up every week and then about 2000 people watch it during the week which is really wild that like that many people would just stop in and, and or that, that excited, right. That, that gets me excited about education anyway, because thousands of teachers are showing up every week. Well, then folks were like, well, we can't all meet at the same time because people from all over the world are watching this. Could you create a Facebook group or somewhere for us to meet? So we made this Facebook group, which is real rapid Reynolds teacher talk. It's a closed group. So there aren't like parents and students and advertisers in there it's just educators in there or folks that are like want to be educators Mm -hmm. sharing what's going on in their world and then getting tons of comments on like how to handle situations and what to do when this happens in your classroom and it's it is a place that i go to not to really post but to just feel like man like when you have a hard day you're like people are just doing good stuff and i'm so happy to see that because education just gets such a bad rap and teachers are burdened by more than they could do so it's like you know i'm glad that like people are putting stuff out online to be for folks to be able to connect yeah so yeah real rap with reynolds anywhere on the internet definitely check out cj on his youtube channel and all of his social media platforms he's doing great and inspirational things cj thank you so much for being on the spire podcast anytime man i appreciate it